Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war As my son reaches about halfway through his eighth grade year, I've started thinking more and more about what his future is going to look like as it's related to college. Now, as I've spoken before, most of you that have listened to my show previously or know little bits about me personally, my son is a gigantic human being. He is coming in just under six feet two at 13 and a half years old. And he has a love of basketball like no other. It is pretty much all he talks about, all he kind of watches on his telephone. He's always watching YouTube videos or, you know, other kids playing basketball. It's really become his passion. And that has also caused his dad and I to kind of have some conversations about do we entertain these ideas of potentially putting him at a high school that is maybe better, you know, than uh, his feeder high school that he's supposed to go to, if that's better for basketball? And of course, we're also looking at academics, but four years is going to go by in the blink of an eye. And I am a huge, huge college sports fan. Having grown up in a college town, it's sort of all we had. And so I I love it. I love seeing these young athletes train and perform and sort of have this spotlight on this big stage. And I'm not so naive to think that my child, you know, is is going to make it that far. But I also think that he has a lot of potential. And it's got me thinking, I have a lot of, I guess, maybe negative thoughts about our national university system and some of the kind of tones and underpinnings that I think a lot of them carry. And then I look at the athletics programs that we are all very familiar with in this country, whether it be men's or women's athletics. And I just started thinking to myself, has our national university system sort of become like a really easy way to exploit our kids and almost in some ways extort from the parents. And that's just kind of what I want to talk about today. I feel like I've talked so much on the show recently about politics and things that are heavy and kind of all the madness in the world. And I just had this realization that I haven't ever talked kind of about this and it's fast approaching in my life. And it's also present in my life in other arenas. I have friends whose kids are either going to college, they're in their first years, or they are 
seniors in high school and they are very accomplished athletes. And so they're starting that whole kind of process of, am I going to get a scholarship? What do I need to do? Who's looking at me? Am I going D1, D2, D3? All of these things. And we have so much opportunity in this country, but I also think that we might be placing too much emphasis on university for ultimately what we're going to get. So kind of going to talk about two things, I guess, on today's show. And number one, I think looking at it from the standpoint of if your child is maybe not an athlete, like that's not where their sights are set. They aren't counting on that, or maybe they, it's very clear that they're not necessarily going to have that opportunity. I think that was me growing up. I was good at sports. I ran cross country. I did track. I played basketball. I think if I would have had maybe a little bit firmer foundation or, you know, nothing nothing against my parents because my parents were awesome. But I think that in today's day and age, me as a parent with a child who's an athlete, I look at things very differently. You know, I, my parents never had a conversation with me about like recovery. You know, I remember crossing the finish line of every cross country race and vomiting and then immediately having to go to the bathroom. Like we're talking number one and number two. My body just was ready to like evacuate everything that was in it because I had just been in really fight or flight for however many miles I was just running. And then I don't ever remember my parents sitting down with me and being like, are you getting proper nutrition? This is also for a girl who grew up being literally, you know, five, eight and you know, a hundred pounds soaking wet through my high school existence and even in some of my adulthood. So no talk about stretching, no talk about sleep, no talk about hydration, no talk about whether or not your mental sort of game was in it. You know, there were times in my athletic, I'm going to call it a career because, you know, four years in high school, that, that, that could be considered a career. But no time did anybody ever talk to me about like, how's your mental game? Like, how do you talk to yourself on the court or on the, the track? Or are you intimidated by the other players? Like all of those things that we look at now and that I really try to have open conversations with my son about, again, not hanging my hat on the fact that he might be going on to play college basketball. I don't know. We'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I also remember my parents really didn't kind of quote unquote plan for college. I don't ever remember having those conversations of we're setting X number of dollars away or the sort of what do you want to be when you grow up kind of conversation. And it's very fascinating to me now to look back and having gone through the college experience for a very, very specific degree, right? Going to school specifically for nursing, to graduate, knowing, okay, when you graduate, this is what you're going to be. And now in the career that I'm in, 
as a recruiter and as the certain industry that I work in, I recruit in the heavy equipment space. So whether that is a manufacturer, like construction equipment, agriculture, trucking, forklifts, all of those types of things, or whether or not you are a dealer that sells that equipment, that's the niche market that I work in now. And I talk to people day in and day out who didn't go to college, you know, graduated from high school, maybe had a couple of jobs here and there, but they landed themselves a sales job. All right. Sales is pretty, sales is pretty tricky. You have to have kind of the right attitude, the right amount of confidence without being arrogant, the sort of hunger for earning money. And I talk to people now who, again, no college degree, maybe did a couple years at community college or no college, and they're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. They have great earnings potential. They have incredible knowledge. They are, you know, they've got maybe hands-on experience from having gone through like a technical program. So maybe they worked on equipment before they sort of moved up in the ranks. And there has always been, I think, a a conversation in our country, but I definitely think it gets overshadowed by those people that put emphasis on college, the college experience, the degree. But we have jobs that come with trades or on-the-job learning, and so many of those sort of just get brushed to the side. And I don't know if it's necessarily a status thing. I think to some degree it is because we are certainly a society of keeping up with the Joneses and, oh, kind of parents want to maybe brag about where their kids are going or maybe they're a legacy somewhere like, oh, I went to USC, so I really need my child to go to USC. It's, you know, sort of this puff up your chest and peacock around a little bit. But does that necessarily equate then to a high-earning job after you graduate? I also have a lot of concerns about these maybe young and impressionable kids who I think in the big picture, I think high school is getting real easy. I know middle school is getting easier because I look at what my son isn't doing compared to what I was doing in middle school. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't really see him writing book reports. They're not putting presentations together. They're, they aren't really even like studying or developing any study habits. Now, I'll find out here and, you know, next school year, whether high school looks the same, but I think high school is getting easier. And subsequently, I think we have these very moldable and shapeable kids that are going away for that hyped up college experience and kind of not being ready, not being prepared, not having a lot of the maybe life skills and mental and physical sort of fortitude that you need to kind of go out on your own, if you will. 
And I think that they are becoming maybe, well, I'm not even going to say maybe. I think that there is some indoctrination happening at our university level. I don't think I'm off base in saying that I think the majority of our universities tend to lean on the liberal side of things. I think, again, it imparts these ideas of groupthink and, well, you don't want to be ostracized. And so you just sort of kind of go along with the crowd. And especially if you are going out of state and you want to fit in and it's hard to meet new people and it's kind of hard to make friends. Like nobody really wants to be the outsider. So sure, maybe you go along with things that you know inherently, oh my gosh, my mom and dad would freaking hate this if they knew I was talking to this kid about, you know, abortion rights or the political spectrum or all of those sort of hot button issues that we see across this country ever present at our universities, both public and private. We see a lot of this. And I can't help but wonder, like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Are our children going to these schools and actually obtaining an education that is going to carry them out into the world with applicable knowledge and applicable skills to get a job that they can pay their bills? I'm not convinced of it yet. Now, that's even coming from somebody that went to school for a very specific degree. And maybe that's where the value comes in. So if you are going to go to med school, okay, that's a very specialized degree. Nursing, again, very specialized. Law school, sure. But there are so many other jobs that you could get without having a four-year degree And there are so many jobs that you get your four-year degree and it's not really even applicable. You know, you get a sociology degree, you're maybe going to teach, right? Was the, what, what, what's the analysis of that for what you paid for that degree to then turn around and, and what are your earnings potential? I don't even think this is a conversation that's happening. Or maybe kids are just so eager to have that college experience and go away and sort of flee the nest that they don't think about that long term. I know that I had a ton of student loans when I graduated nursing school. Now, luckily, I stuck around at the pits long enough for them to pay back all of my loans, and I made sure that I did, right? So I endured all the things in order to make sure that I did not pay back any of my student loans that the hospital did. So I for sure reaped the benefits of that. But if you're going to graduate with dollars $60,000, $70,000 worth of student loans, and you're going to turn around and get a job that pays $35,000, dollars $45,000 a year, can we say that that was really worth it? I don't know if we can. Was that $70,000 experience of maybe joining a 
a fraternity or a sorority or going to the football games or being in the theater club or whatever your interests are that you developed while you were at school or that you brought into that university experience with, was that worth it? I don't know. I'm hard pressed. And I see now as my son gets older and as I have friends, I have kids that are embarking upon this. They're having these conversations about how much college is going to cost them and what is their child going to gain from it? What are they actually going to get? And I think, unfortunately, we're getting a lot of kids that are graduating with sort of these woke ideologies. They're literally leaving and coming back completely different people, brainwashed, you know, physical changes. There's actually a lot of stuff online that you can look at where they will show a picture. And it's surprisingly, it's predominantly female, the ones that I have seen. And I don't know, maybe this is something about, again, a desire to fit in or maybe insecurities from the female standpoint, or I I don't know if it's manipulation, whatever the case may be. But there are staggering numbers of videos and photos that you can find where a nice little hometown girl, she goes off to college and, you know, four years later at that state university, she comes back and she physically looks like a completely different person. Whether that be, you know, a shaved head or she's dyed her hair green or she now has her septum pierced or she's got, you know, covered in tattoos, which is fine. I've got tattoos. I'm not saying that. But you you have all of these maybe things that wouldn't necessarily be considered socially acceptable or okay to do under mom and dad's roof, but then you leave and maybe the pressures of, you know, body positivity and I'm a, I'm a queen and all of these things start to kind of impact you and that ultimately not only impacts your mind and your way of thinking – but your physicality as well. I think it's fascinating. And I think that it is a direct result of the heavy, heavy liberal mentality of our universities. Independent, I would say, of our private universities, um, maybe our private and religious universities. I think we see a lot less there. But what we don't see in those schools typically are, in my opinion, affordable tuitions. They have definitely figured out a way to create this notion, and I would even call it a stigma, around going to college. You have to go to college. That is something that is sort of bred into us from the time that we're little. What are you going to do, you know, speeding through life, just fast forwarding this whole time, just kind of on this hamster wheel, preparing, 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 even though we don't really prepare. So we tell parents, oh, well, you've got to send your kids to college. And then if you are a conservative parent like myself, you think, okay, well, I hope I've done enough. I hope my child has a good, firm foundation to not succumb to the pressures of this in-state 
school that I'm going to send him to that I know is probably liberal. I'm going to just hope and pray. Okay, so they go there. Or the extortion to have parents go, okay, well, I can't risk that. I can't risk sending him to this state school that I know is going to, you know, do its best to try to break down, you know, his values, his morals, his beliefs, uh, in whatever capacity they can do that. So now I have to pay, you know, $60,000 a year for him to go to this private, religiously aligned university. Again, in the hopes that that facade matches actually what's happening behind closed doors. So it's this double whammy. It's this double attack on the kids and their desire to want to go to college and have that experience and maybe get an education. But what is that actual education going to afford you in the real world? And then also this attack on parents of, well, it's real expensive and oh by the way that tuition doesn't include of course their books their dorm their meal plan you know if your kids living either on campus or off campus all of those expenses and we really want kids to focus on their schooling so you know it's probably best that they don't have any job oh but wait you can take out student loans so you now have an 18 year old with probably mm, no credit and they're already sort of being indoctrinated into this system of borrowing more than what you have, maybe even more than what you can afford. Setting themselves up to graduate, <laughs> earn your first few paychecks in a quote unquote career associated with your degree, and yet then have to turn around and make payments back to the government for an education that is maybe mediocre at best, maybe didn't actually set you up for the best job success after the fact. I don't know. It just might not be worth it. It just might not be all that it's cracked up to be. Who knows? The other interesting component to this, and this is what I'm going to really dive in on the second half of the show, is the, in my definition and what I see is really the exploitation of these college athletes and the money that is made on the backs of these young men and women. And as a result, are they actually getting a worthwhile education? So we're going to talk about that when I come back. I am Nurse Beth. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's time and this is For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. 
Hey everyone, Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminished, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the Sea of Redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Change in the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back. Welcome back. Talking today about something that I've been thinking about a lot recently, and it's fast approaching in my own personal life. And I've got a lot of friends who are kind of in the thick of it right now, but that is college. And maybe what I want to call like the scam, the scam that is college. 
sort of exploiting the students and maybe even a little extortion of the parents, just pinching them for insane amounts of money, really for what? What are we getting out of that four-year educational experience? I said in the first half of the show, I am a huge college sports fan. I love it. So I am technically, you can, you could consider me part of the problem, right? Because I watch the games, I buy merchandise. So I have put revenue into the pockets of those programs and those organizations without really knowing where it goes. But thinking to myself, as I have a child who I think has the potential to be a college athlete. I don't know at what level, whether that's division one, division two, division three, I don't know. But I think that he, with the right coaching and focus and discipline and all those things and desire too, because I would never force him to do something that he wouldn't want to do in that capacity. But if he would want to, and if he had the opportunity, I think he has the potential right now at 13 years old. But I just started thinking to myself, and especially on the heels of something that's happened. So if you're not necessarily um, kind of up on all of the news surrounding the conferences, right? The NCAA is the governing body for all of the athletics for colleges, right? And you have division one, you have division two, you have division three, and so on. And, you know, D1 athletes, to be a D1 athlete, that's a big deal. It takes, you know, a tremendous amount of work and dedication and, I mean, just absolute focus as a young person to then be afforded the opportunity to be a Division I athlete. And that comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes. That, of course, can come with a full-ride scholarship, which we all hear about those kids. It can also come with, obviously, a partial um, athletic scholarship. Kids can also get academic scholarships. You can be what's called a walk-on, where you just kind of go and you try out and you make the team. There, There are all of those different ways, and every single one is a massive accomplishment. And it's actually really interesting because there are some statistics. So you think about how many kids across this country play high school sports, whether they are playing high school sports just for the enjoyment of the sport or the camaraderie or their friends do it. So they're just playing or whether or not they're playing in the hopes that they get to then play at the collegiate level. And maybe playing at the collegiate level might be the only way that they would be able to afford going to college. There are certainly those scenarios that exist. But there are, there are here are just some, some interesting numbers. So this is for 22-23. So this is basically the odds of the U.S. male high school athlete playing in college for 22-23. So in the United States for basketball, let's play basketball because everybody knows basketball. We'll, we'll do basketball and football, which are like the big ones, right? So 
538,446 U.S. high school boys. College U.S. 10 basketball players. Are you ready for this? 31,514. And only... 4,894 of them are NCAA Division I. So again, over 500,000 playing in high school, whittling down to 31,000 playing in college. So your odds aren't really that great. They're not fantastic. You've got to either have a ton of, you know, natural abilities or you have put in the work on and off the court you've got to have good academics as well because the last thing that they want is some kid that you know you've got to be able to pass your classes you've got to be able to keep your GPA up in order to get your playing time football football is even more interesting now there's more players on a college football team so maybe that helps your percentage but there's over a million over a million high school boys playing football in the United States and 96,000 over 96,000 go on to play uh, in college and 31,000 of those are playing division one. So 31,000 division one football players out of a little over a million playing. Those are not great odds. And I always think it's so funny when you meet those parents and we all know them and this is not a judgment statement it's just simply an observation that the parents that really are sort of hell-bent on their kids being that kid and maybe not acknowledging that there might be some skill missing or there might be some height missing or any of those types of things. But they've got it in their heads, dead set, that their kids are going to be playing at the collegiate level. Now, women, the odds are the odds are not great also. And I think basketball, again, for women is probably a big one. And I would say second to that would maybe be softball or track and field. Obviously, you know, universities have the different teams and, and sports for their male and female athletes. But for basketball, for women in the U.S., it's 382,000 people. And college for college for basketball, it's just under 27,000. 4,700 of them being Division One. So again... Not great odds. Maybe slightly better than men, for sure, but they're still not amazing. And then if you look at softball, 300, about the same actually, um, 357,000 playing in the United States and 34,678 going on to play in college. So slightly better odds there with just under 7,000 playing Division One. Now, I can't help but think about all the money that comes in for these college athletes. The NCAA brings in, on average, over $600 million a year. 
Now that money then gets dispersed to each divisions. 60% of that money goes to division one schools, which if you think about this, that's not a lot left over for the other, for the other divisions. Okay. And they get the majority of that money from television and marketing rights and ticket sales. Now think about, think about football Saturdays that are happening right now. And I had to endure the pain of another University of Oregon loss on this past weekend. <laughs> this is the life as an Oregon fan. But watching again, these kids, they are kids going out there on a national stage, playing on national television at prime time during the day. They're not getting paid. Okay. Do some of them have full college scholarships? Yes. So can we look at that as an offset for payment? Perhaps. But what we aren't seeing is the money that is being generated from those boys going out and playing and the money's coming in to the NCAA and then ultimately being redistributed and allocated throughout the conferences. I was digging around on the NCAA website, looking at some of the numbers, and it's really, really fascinating. It's very interesting to look at how much money is allocated into special education programs for these kids. And why might that be? Well, amongst the chatter, you know, of parents and friends that are sort of going through this with their own kids, being a Division I athlete and going to school is an insane challenge. You have these kids who are dedicating five, six, seven hours during their day to their athletics, whether that be, you know, practice, whether that be games. Well, football is only on the weekends, but you get into other sports, volleyball, basketball. I mean, those are during the week. So you have not only that type of prep, you probably have weight training. You probably have strength and conditioning. You have then your academics on top of that, which is really sort of kind of the ultimate like crux of this conversation is that the academics are still falling secondary to the athletics. And ultimately, what does that do for that child once they graduate from college? Are they then equipped to go out and get a job? Because we all know the statistics then of playing professional sports. I don't have those numbers, but we don't even need to get in there, right? Like, we all know playing professional basketball, professional baseball, professional football. It is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's probably not even worth looking up the numbers, right? And even more so for female athletes. Are you going to be an Olympian? Probably not. Are you going to play in the WNBA? Probably not. Are you going to go overseas and play basketball? 
Probably not. So now you go and you have this college experience where you are grinding. You're absolutely grinding. You're on a national stage. There's a lot of pressure. People are making a lot of money off of your back. You, yes, are getting a free college education, but what are you really getting out of that education? And a lot of these monies that are put back in from the NCAA are going towards scholarships. So that's great. Again, as many kids as that we can get to be able to offset some of those costs because you know the Georgias of the world are not cheap. You know the USC's of the world are not cheap. The Alabamas, the Floridas, like these are huge schools with top dollar tuitions associated with them. And a lot of the monies being put back in from the NCAA are also going to pri like private tutoring. Something even more fascinating that has happened, which again, I think is going to, I don't know, maybe make my point. There's been all this recent shakeup in the conferences across the country, right? So we we had the Pac-12, which was over here on the West Coast. We have the Big Ten. We have the SEC. We have the ACC over on the East Coast. So we sort of have always had these geographical breakdowns so that kids that kind of go to school in the region, you play the other schools in that region. Kind of makes sense, right? If you live in the Southeast, if you're going to school in the Southeast, you're going to play other schools that are in and around there. Well, over the last few months, we've had quite a bit of shakeup. And there are now teams that are in other conferences that aren't necessarily associated with their geographic location. So, for example, the University of Oregon, my favorite university despite it not being my alma mater. They now, during their athletic season, are going to have to play teams as far east as Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. I mean, think about this a second. Is that even, even a trade-off? You're getting a free education but when are you actually going to classes? When are you, you know, when are you scheduling that private tutoring time between, again, practices, strength and conditioning, traveling? If you have a game on Saturday, when do you think you're headed, headed out to, to Michigan? Huh? Probably Wednesday night, Thursday at the latest. Get out there, get settled in, you know, have your, watch your film do a light practice, walk through, game day on Saturday. Okay, you're exhausted. Do we put you on a flight back home Saturday? No, we probably wait until Sunday. Sunday you go home and then you're back doing it all over again. Are you actually getting a strong enough education to carry you out into the world? And I think there's always jokes specifically about college athletes is that Maybe the degrees that they get are not quite as challenging 
as maybe some of our other degrees. And I think that we know why. I think that because so much of their time and energy and brain power has to be devoted to their athletics, that they can't take the most you know, challenging academic courses. So while you may graduate after four or five years, depending on your eligibility, if you redshirt, whatever the case may be with your sport, you may not have any student debt, which would be amazing. I can't imagine that. But you might have a communications degree. You may not have worked or held a job that entire four years of pretty formidable years of like you growing up and developing, you know, interpersonal skills and relationship skills. So let's say like 18 and 19 to 22, 23, 24, anywhere in there, you've never had a job. Maybe one could say that football is your job. Basketball is your job. Sure, there's responsibilities associated with that. But again, I can't help but think that sort of this, I don't know what so I'm 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 searching for the word in my head. It wants to come out of my mouth, but just this the nature of our universities to sort of leech maybe and take advantage of these students in a myriad of different ways. The non-student athletes, they maybe get poisoned with all of the liberal and woke ideologies that these professors would love to see be carried out into our societies and produce more of these feminists that don't understand what it actually means to be a feminist, you know, that want to argue points that are actually resulting in the breakdown of our society rather than in the building up of our society. And then you have these schools also profiting off of the backs of these athletes and potentially feeling justified in that because they're not having to pay for tuition. very strange to me. It's this very, very weird situation that we've gotten ourselves into here as a country. And the other thing that I find fascinating about it is how many students from overseas come here to embark upon that exact journey here in the United States. Like there's a part of me that like kind of wants to question that. Like I don't see what's so amazing about it unless, again, you're going for a very, very specific degree, something that you know you want to do. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a nurse. I want to be something, you know, very, very specific that comes out of a four-year university. I sometimes want to ask these people, like, what is the allure? What is it? Are you actually getting the best education that you can get? Are you developing skills? I don't know. It might be a scam. It might be a scam. 
Trade schools, on the other hand, I would love, love, love to see sort of a rebirth. And I think we're close. I think we're getting there because, again, I think the, the rising cost, I mean, college is astronomical. Do you know that for 2021, so for that school year, the average university cost for a year here in the United States, $35,000. So that's over $140,000. That's wild for a four-year degree. Now, again, that's not if you don't go on to advanced practice degrees, if you don't have to take extra schooling for anything, if you don't go get your master's degree, your PhD, obviously med school, all of those types of things. They have figured it out. They have figured out how to cultivate and get our kids woven into this fabric from the time that as parents, we start them in kindergarten in the public school system. And we don't ever talk about trade schools in school. And that used to be very prevalent. We used to have, in fact, high schools that had like trade schools associated with them. You could do like wood shop, you could do welding, you could do mechanics class. And now the conspiracy realist in me thinks that those were all done away with because it actually provides these kids with a skill and they're not reliant then upon anyone else. They could go start their own business. They could be an independent contractor. They could become certified in something. And they don't have to go either sit at a desk or in a cubicle or be an employee. They could turn around and be an employer, which is very, very scary for, the, for all the powers that be. And I don't think that our universities are wanting to. I think that they, they are producing people that are ultimately more reliant upon the systems. Just kind of keeping everyone on this hamster wheel. No entrepreneurial spirits. No ideas of, okay, how can I do something for myself? It's always, nope, who can I go and work for? Where can I get this internship at? Instead of really creating and cultivating this idea of you're here to learn knowledge that you can take and apply and we're here to teach you skill sets that you can take and do with what you'd like. And hopefully the big picture of that is do something to where you're not reliant upon other people. Fingers crossed, maybe. But I also really worry about those student athletes that have just made the NCAA and have made their universities millions upon millions of dollars in exchange for probably a worse education than what they would have gotten if they would have just paid the regular tuition and not played any sports and gotten a degree 
that was maybe more applicable to quote unquote real world jobs? I don't know. Very interesting to me. And would I ever go back and get a degree? No, never. I have zero desire. In fact, a lot of my friends were like, Beth, why don't you go and get your nurse practitioner? No, gross, ew. Don't want to do it. Couldn't pay me enough. I want nothing to do with it. In fact, having transitioned my life and literally walked away from the four-year degree, the licensure, the sort of career that was associated with my education, having sort of literally dropped all of that and left it and kind of reinvented myself and learned a new skill set and learned an entirely different industry, which now I feel pretty confident in when I speak about it or when I introduce myself to somebody and tell them what I do, what market I work in. I realize just how liberating that process is and how little we actually have to rely upon the quote unquote formal education system to kind of equip us with those abilities. Sure, it's nice. Sure, it's nice to learn about things that maybe you wouldn't choose to learn about on your own or that could carry you out and offer you some, you know, different growth opportunities or you know, maybe align yourself with a career path that you wouldn't have normally thought about. Sure. But for the most part, I don't think that it is as beneficial for our youth as we're sort of being, I don't know, maybe tricked into believing. I've got four and a half years to figure it out and to help guide my child and to help kind of have these tough conversations about what it is that you actually want for yourself, for a career, and what you want out of that education experience and what you want out of that maybe sort of life growth experience that college would have to offer you of living on your own. What do those life skills look like? And maybe things will be a lot different in four years. Who knows? Or maybe I will end up being that nut job mom that's screaming in the fans because her son is out there playing in the final four somewhere. You never know. But maybe some food for thought for you today for this show about our college system. Is it a scam? Have they figured out how to manipulate our youth? And have they figured out how to extort their parents? I tend to think so. So with that, that is all the time we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. 
We must all do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so that we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily, where no topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time.